hello and welcome back to another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. I'm Abby Mickey, as always, joined by Lauren Rowney. Lauren, hello. Good morning. I thought you were going to introduce Amy first, but it's here a toss I am. up every time. I'm like, and I realize our intros are so much longer than the Cycling Tips podcast, where everyone just says like "g'day" and then moves on. G'day, mate. Yeah. Throw so another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Jones, hello. G'day. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're going to talk about stage five, six, and seven of the Giro Donne. So probably a pretty quick episode today. Not a ton to cover, but before we get into that, we wanted to tell everybody about this amazing collaboration between Cycling Tips, the Cyclist Alliance, and Black Sheep. Today, we have launched a kit design that is done through a street artist who has kind of embodied this uh, idea of equals. The kit is called Equals, and it's really cool. You can see it on cyclingtips.com. It's also, I believe, on the Black Sheep account. And it's all proceeds go to the Cyclist Alliance. So if you buy this kit, you're supporting the Cyclist Alliance. I think it's no secret that us on the Freewheeling Podcast support the Cyclist Alliance and everything that they do. Uh, I, I was asked to write a statement about like what this kit means. And for me, I've always felt that the riders are the factor in professional cycling that always gets overlooked, that gets spat out and forgot about and is treated like garbage. They don't get paid enough. They don't get, they, no one cares about them unless they're winning. It's this really harsh environment if you're a rider and it doesn't have to be this way and the cyclist alliance is really the only union in cycling that's actually standing up for the riders so for me this collaboration is super important and really meaningful in that we at cycling tips are able to really i mean put our money where our mouth is and come forward and be part of this movement that the cyclist alliance is pushing for so um, the link is in the bio if you want to check it out. It's also on cyclingtips.com. And that is that is that. That is I felt not a sponsored episode, but a very important topic. So while you're listening to this, start Googling on your phone or laptop <laughs> to get your hands on the kit. It looks amazing. It's a cool kit. I really like it. Yeah, it is really nice. All right. So we should talk about the Giordane. We left off last episode after stage four, the uphill time trial. Since then, we've had three-ish sprint sprint, sprint stages. Stage five was, well, won by Lorena Weebus. The best, is she the best female sprinter in the peloton right now? I mean, based on results this year, I would say yes. She's nearly undefeated in sprints. It, the yeah. only one that she really lost was at the Healthy Aging Tour when she crashed. But it was because she was basically sprinting way faster than Alice Barnes and <laughs> ran into her back wheel. So. <laughs> well, there you go. You just answered your own question. No, I mean, how many wins did you say it was this year already, Abby? Ten this year. One was a prologue. So nine sprint wins. Yeah. And also, those are all of DSM's wins. Like DSM, no one else on DSM has won. She's the only DSM rider to have won this year. Although Corinne made a pretty good fight for it on stage six, but we'll get there. <laughs> She's pretty much like the only 
I guess I'm a nose guard as well, but like there's not many pure sprinters in the women's peloton, like where it's pretty much all that they do is live for like sprint finishes. Like she's pretty much the only one of that. I would. Say. I wouldn't even necessarily say Emma Norsgaard is. No, she's no, like no, no. a time she's... trialist as well, and like exactly yeah. can climb as well. Yeah, good, good classics rider. Um, again, no, I was just gonna say with we uh, Weebers, I would have said yeah, exactly the same thing, Amy. Um, and I think that's definitely her trajectory for the moment. But as we've seen with a bunch of other sprinters. I always go back to using Corinne Rivera as an example is um, as they develop and get older, uh, the confidence builds and they just seem to become better all-rounders as well. And that's just a thing that you have to be in in the peloton as a, as a female cyclist. We don't have a Mark Cavendish as such, I would say. And based on what I saw from Weber's at that um, uh, the Lotto Belgium tour, she was climbing like a boss there. It was just unfortunate um, on that last stage. She got caught up in a crash. For me, it would have been super interesting to see how she would have finished up the Moven Hedersbergen. But, um, yeah, for the moment, it's looking like, yes, yeah, she is. Chloe Hosking, um, unfortunately, has been very unwell this year. But traditionally, I would say she was as well just a sprinter. But then she also developed her climbing um, over the years. So, it's very different, right? We don't have a Cavendish as such. It what's interesting about about Webus and also about DSM is they haven't get her, given her a ton of chances to try to be more of a punchy sprinter because I think when she was on Park Hotel Valkenburg, obviously it was a much smaller team and she was the best rider, so they took her to every single race, but. She she's not done a ton of big races that have more rolly terrain that are still kind of won by sprinters. She did Amstel Gold and she didn't finish. Um, and she did a couple of the other classics this year. Like she was third in Dwarsdor Hageland, which was the one that was um I think Chantal won it solo. She doesn't do a ton of other races than races that she can win, which I think is not not the greatest tactic you you want to send them to as many well you want to send them to a variety of different races so that they can better themselves in every aspect right and so it's an interesting choice by dsm but clearly whatever they're doing is working because she's won more races this year than any other dsm rider (laughs) or any other rider besides maybe um anna vandebregen Mm, yeah valid point yeah I mean, there's a bunch of riders that have been just getting so many podiums, right? Like Emma Norsgaard. She's been on the podium how many times now? I think, Amy, you wrote an article about it. Oh, my God. On the spot. Yeah, I mean, Um. fact sheet, Amy. (laughs) Um, But just, yeah, in general, she's been on the podium a lot this year but hasn't racked up 10 or 11 wins, has she? Something like 15, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Numbers go in my head and then they immediately leave. (laughs) Well, Lorena won stage five. Another interesting aspect about stage five was apparently the neutral was insane through the city of Milan. Uh, We have an audio diary from Heidi, one of her longest yet, because she was really excited to tell me about the neutral. So let's hear from Heidi Franz really quick. 
we're halfway done. It's crazy. Um, and yeah, what a, what a day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. What can I say? Well, um, first we were super bummed yesterday. Um, and you know, annoyed at Vandebregen for going so fast because, uh, uh, how many people were time cut and, um, our poor teammate Holly uh, was time cut by like 16 seconds yesterday after the TT. And we didn't find out until um, much later uh, after, yeah, after I'd already sent in my recap of yesterday. And yes, we were one down today. And uh, yeah, after a relatively uneventful four days, I guess, um, it had to go crazy at some point. Uh, and today was kind of that day. So first I have to tell you about the neutral, which was like maybe the most insane, mind boggling seven kilometers of neutral I have ever ridden in my life. <laughs> um, because we started like in the middle of downtown Milan and we we just started going in the middle of traffic. like none of the roads were closed. It was just like the, the, the front, like the lead car and like the, some of the motos, the three or whatever motos that were in front of the lead car were just like parting the Red Sea, like in the middle of downtown on these like crazy cobbled, like giant cobbled roads, um, tram lines everywhere. And like through all of the different like shopping districts and like twisty turny, just craziness, like cars would be directly, you know, driving directly towards us and then just like pull off just in time to let us go by. It's like, just don't mind us. We're just forcing a bike race through the middle of like mid, you know, mid morning downtown traffic <laughs> in Milan. Oh my God. Brody Chapman and I were like, well, we will remember this one forever. <laughs> and now we know where the shopping is in Milan. So um, it just, it was hilarious. It was so insane. It just became hilarious. And thank goodness uh, Wahoo was hanging out with us because they put GoPros on our bikes today. And uh, well, yeah, let's just say it was the day to do it. <laughs> um, as for the actual bike race, um, that was also a little insane. Um, crazy technical uh, circuit lap that we eventually got to like absolute, like crazy technical, um, dead flat, super fast. We averaged like 40 K an hour for three hours, but yeah, it felt like the longest three hours ever. Um, cause it was just so chaotic. Uh, even with a break up the road, just the Peloton was frantic and, um, it was really hard to position and there were a lot of crashes. Um, one crash, unfortunately, took out uh, Krista and, uh, from our team, and she might have a broken arm, but I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Uh, she's at the hospital right now, so send her some good vibes. Um, and and then there was another crash. That was with, like, 30K to go. And then, then there was another crash with around 7K to go, and a bunch of Tibco riders went down, and um, I'm just waiting to hear, make sure to make sure that they're all okay. Um, but yeah, man, it was crazy. And it was like 95 degrees 
all day. Um, so it wasn't really my day. I'm not, I'm not good at the bunch sprint navigation yet. And, um, you know, I just figure <laughs> my, my day doesn't have to be today. And Katie, Katie Klaus and I are both just like, F this, like we are, we don't, feel very interested in being a part of this bunch sprint. So, um, yeah, we'll live to fight another day. Um, but we are down to four riders now and, um, we're going to fight. We're going to keep fighting. So here we, here we go. Carrying on. I know everyone's on about this neutral. Like, well, the thing is we couldn't watch it, could we? So it was just like, it's this is the problem with not having live coverage is you're relying on tweets and bits and pieces of information where for me sometimes I can't piece it all together I need Mm. to visually see what's going on but speaking from experience neutral can be chaotic um any um, any American listeners (laughs) one of my um most interesting experiences with neutral was and i guess you had a similar experience abby was a neutral at redlands classic for the sunset boulevard the neutral the neutral it was like 60 kilometers an hour (laughs) like just this crazy neutral it was like full gas and then you basically hit this circuit which was just warm up on a trainer for the neutral because it's so hard that was just insane. So I've experienced some crazy neutrals, so I'm curious to listen to this um, audio diary. It sounds like it was just, they went from the city center of Milan in a neutral. This is actually hilarious. They they like shut down the roads in the city center of Milan so that they could have a neutral start through the city center. And then they went to like the outskirts of Milan to do a circuit race. It's like the most Girodona thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, and it, ju- it sounds like it was just, there were so many people because it's like, you know, the center of Milan. And so there was a ton of people and they were just, the, the phrase that Heidi used was parting the Red Sea because they were riding through and there's like people trying to go about their daily business. And <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> Girodona's like, we're going to have a neutral through the city center of Milan at 11 in the morning. On a weekday. <laughs> On a weekday. Oh my God. That's so right though. If you're going to shut down the roads, why not just have the bloody race there? I don't know. That would be pretty cool if the Girodonna had it. Like, do you remember at the women's tour um, in the UK when they had the last circuit race was in London? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was pretty special. But it, I mean, it, but it was stage five. <laughs> yeah. But it, again, the Girodonna, you, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, the Giordano con- goes. <laughs> the Giordano continued its its chaos the next day when it changed the route um, the morning of the race. Stage six was a lap around Lake Com- Como. That when when I saw like what was going on in the race, I was very confused. This was the day that Elisa Longo, Argini, and Ashley Monpasio were off the front, and of course, we didn't get to see any of the race before. <sighs> 13, 14 kilometers to go, but it sounds like the race was so fast, just like insanely fast, and no one could get off the front before they were able to make a move. It sounds like the whole day was just full gas, and there was a couple of the riders who tried to go. I think Lauren Stevens tried to attack, but it was just 
they wanted a sprint and it was gung ho for a sprint and, and they weren't keen on letting people off the front. But interesting to me, I wrote a piece about this because I just found it very interesting that the only breakaway that would go is kind of a break that you assume you watch these two ride off the front and no one in their right mind is going to let them stay away. They weren't going to stay away. They, Ash is sitting second on GC behind her teammate, granted, but still. And Elisa Longoborghini is Elisa Longoborghini. And they went with 90K to go, more than 90K to go. Weird move to make, especially given the next day was actually really suited Elisa we saw. And so she was out there for 90Ks on stage six, just like rodding around, you know, I don't, it was, it was a very, I don't know. What do you guys, am am I completely off base? Is that not, was that not a weird move? It's a bit of a YOLO move, like a bit of a weird. That's what, when I saw it, I was like, YOLO. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, and then you have to think about like for Elisa, why not? I mean, this is not the Jiro that she, she planned or intended to have. She's way down on GC, probably the furthest she's ever been down in any Jiro, to be honest. And so maybe that actually helped what happened on stage seven, like really crack the legs, put a bit of confidence into her. We know she loves to just ride hard and go off the front. Um, yeah, a bit of a YOLO move, as Amy said, but uh, it looked like, was it Lotto Jumbo and DSM are really committed to, or Movie Star, to having that sprint. So when you have three yeah. strong teams, that, yeah. yeah. Especially DSM was really keen to have a break or a sprint for that day and switched it up and went with Corinne instead, which... Um, Corinne seems like she's riding incredibly well in like a multi-dimensional way. She couldn't beat Emma in the sprint. And it was especially impressive by Emma Norsgaard because she, Movistar didn't really lead her out. She kind of surfed wheels and took that win. And it was an impressive victory from her, her first Giro Donna stage win. But um, Corinne still, I'm really excited to see how she's ridden in this Giro. She was 10th on stage five when Lorena won. After she let her out, she was able to still hold on for 10th. And the picture of Lorena posting up and then Corinne posting up behind her was great. And then we'll talk about seven in a second, stage seven in a second, but obviously Corinne's climbing super well as well. And so I think, you know, the fact that DSM, a team that we know is really formulaic in everything that they do, they gave Corinne that shot to go for the sprint. It was great. It was good. She's She's been having a rough year um, or two. And so handing her the reins for a stage, especially given that she's made the Olympic team and she's about to go to Tokyo, I think was a, was a great move by DSM. It was just awesome. When I saw it was like weebs leading her out, like – you know, you don't see it happen that much where you're almost guaranteed the win with Weebs, right? Um, like we were saying 10 minutes ago, she's been pretty much undefeated in sprints. But to just go, you know what, Corinne, you're riding well. You've been giving so much to the team. Give her, give her a go. And, like, Corinne is an, a fantastic sprinter and 
just hasn't really had the opportunity. So I wonder if they just gave her a little bit more throughout this year, she'd probably crack, you know, that I honestly, sort of- I think that Webus, when, which we've said her name, like, I think four different times at this point, I think when she led Corinne out for the sprint on stage six, she actually pulled off a little bit too early because Emma was behind Corinne. So Emma basically had a double lead out and was able to come around. And I think if Webus had been able to hold on for another 20 meters, maybe, then Corinne would have won that sprint because it was just, she just had to sprint a little bit too long mm. is kind of what I could tell from watching the sprint. Yeah. But obviously really, really smart move, move by Emma. And I think it's her fifth victory of the year. She's, I mean, she's, for me, she's the absolute breakout star of 2021. If you kind of discount Demi Vollering, who seems to just be on another level, Emma is is having just such an incredible season. Yeah, this is like her breakthrough season. She she was always kind of let, like there before, but this is like this year she's really just started winning and winning in loads of different ways as well, like we mm-hmm. were saying before. Which is the most impressive thing, right? And she won yeah. the TT Nationals. So it's like she's, yeah. Multi- All round a man. Yeah, it's great. So let's hear from Ruth Winder really quick from stage six. And then we'll move on. Hey, everybody. Um, Ruth Winder again here. Finished stage six of the Giro today and just chilling in the hotel room. Totally forgot to record this audio diary for you guys. Actually, Abby had to remind me. Um, feeling pretty tired today, which I think is typical. Um, four stages to go. Today was beautiful, actually. We rode a lap of Lake Como, um, the whole thing, the whole way around. Got to kind of look over my shoulder at the view a few times. Um, but for us, it was just kind of like a flat to rolly day. So we knew that getting a breakaway was probably going to be hard, but we gave it a good try with kind of some attacks one after another. And Elisa got away and was away with um, Ashley Moomin Pasio for a long time, actually, just the two of them. Um, but then in the end, the sprinters wanted it to be a sprint, which is fair enough. We have a lot of mountain days, so they want their sprint days. So another day for the sprinters again, um, Lucinda did a good ride to get up there in sixth. We tried to do a bit of a lead out for her again coming into the finish. Um, bit, bit hectic again, but yeah, I mean, we're trying to polish off that lead out train um, that we haven't practiced too much this year so far, which has been quite fun. And Lucinda's always up for getting her elbows out in the sprint. So yeah, that was our day. Nothing too, too exciting, um, but just kind of fun to play around a bit with the attacks and then yeah with up in the sprint with Eliza um but yeah that was that was the day um tomorrow I think we had get some get some hills so I'm excited about that and I'll tell you about how it goes then I feel like I start these diaries the same way every day which is some exclamation about oh my god we're this many days into the Giro but um I mean, this today deserves that again. (laughs) Uh, One, because it was a lap around Lake Como, which is kind of incredible. And maybe this is just the way that your first Giro goes when every day is like, oh my God, wow, what did we just do? Um, That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, today was really, really fast. Um, And it didn't really play out 
how we expected it to go. Um, partially due to some GPX file differences <laughs> between what was actually on the course and what was showing up um, in the profile. Um, so today, like, we were, well, the GPX told us that we were climbing 1,800 meters. And in reality, we climbed 1,000 meters. Uh, and this was partially due to all of the tunnels that we were riding through or racing through. And we'd be approaching some tunnel and the GPX file would be telling us, okay, like we're about to hit like a 20% climb <laughs> right after this tunnel. And then we would start descending in the middle of the tunnel and we'd think, okay, I guess we're not hitting some climb. And this happened like three different times. Our directors were like, okay, get ready. Like it's coming right after this, you know, right after this town, you're going to hit this 20% climb, you know, for 2K. <laughs> we're like gearing up mentally. Uh, and and then it wouldn't come, which is honestly really refreshing. But because uh, I was already on the limit quite a few times today. Uh, so it was nice to not have to suffer another 20 times. Um, but anyway, back to the, what we thought was going to happen. We thought it was going to be a great day for the break. Uh, and it turns out it wasn't, um, SD works and Trek, uh, were super motivated on the front, just keeping it really fast for the first like 60 K. And, um, it was really fast. It was like over 40 K an hour for the first 60k basically and um so really wasn't great for any breaks to go um i tried to tried to bridge up to a solo lauren stevens at one point and brought a few people with me but then um that was very short-lived uh but then elisa and ashley pat moment passio went off the front and honestly those are like the only two people that could have gotten off the front because today was so fast. Um, and it's just crazy, uh, that they did a little duo time trial all day. And then Yumbo and DSM just hit the front and kept it going full gas for, you know, for the last like hundred K. Uh, so it was, it was really fast, really hard all day. Um, I got dropped a couple of times. There were some actual climbs that really existed in real life. And um, yeah, I got dropped once on the first kind of major climb and then chased back and then got dropped again over the Bellagio and found my teammate Katie. And we were both just in a very dark place for a little while. Uh, but we actually managed to make it back to the Peloton and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> tried to have, you know, survive the last bit of the stage. My director was like, okay, Heidi, this is all you <laughs> leading into the bunch sprint. And I'm like, I haven't suddenly turned into a bunch sprinter. Um, and also there are like, you know, the best four sprint teams have their full lead out trains here. And I don't think I am prepared or equipped, uh, to get myself in the middle of this bunch sprint. Um, so it was kind of funny. I'm like, they're just trying to hang on. Um, but I guess you got to learn somehow. 
uh, I'll let you know when I suddenly turn into a bunch sprinter. <laughs> Stage seven. I mean, Voss is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I really appreciated Mark Cavendish's um, post yesterday. That went viral. I think almost every person I follow on Instagram reshared his post, male or female. Even Walt Van Art shared his post. So it is really not often that the top men kind of back the top women, especially for a guy who's not on a team that has a women's equivalent. And we'll probably never have a women's equivalent. At least we what hope do you mean? <laughs> but do we want LaFava working no, with women? No, we don't. We don't want LaFava working with women ever. So well, he's a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> that waitress in South America was asking for it, Amy. She was asking a, for it for ha- by put- having a butt. <laughs> <laughs> by breathing and existing. All right. We digress. <laughs> no, Mark. Mark's post was really, um, really incredible, and I wish that more of the men would back the women like that because they have such a bigger following. So it's this should be happening more often. I think the fact that it did happen, it. I mean, kudos to Mark for for saying something, but hats off to Mariana Voss for taking her thirtieth career victory at the Girodone. I mean. She's been racing for 16 years. She's won three Giros in her career, and she's gone through some roller coaster seasons. She had a couple off years and came back flying in 2019, won four stages that year. And now this year, again, this is her second stage win at this Giro. She came into it maybe not feeling her most confident after getting handedly beaten by not only Demi, but also Sile at the, at La Course and has backed basically just come into the race and been like, you know what? I'm still here. And her, her win was great. And I've, it was interesting the the tactics that went into this. Cause she really did. If you watch the, what we got, what? 23 kilometers. Woo. Mm-hmm. Lucky <laughs> the 23 kilometers of live coverage you don't see her once i mean it's other riders going off the front ashley where uh neve fisher black went off the front we had some very interesting attacks it was very aggressive really fast trek segafredo clearly wanted to set something up tiff cromwell had an incredible attack her attack was like ruth was going as hard as she possibly could based on her facial expression and her body language. And Tiff just was like, yeah, I can go faster, <laughs> like sprinted around her. And that attack by Tiff really pulled Eliza out. And then Eliza's attack was was also really great. And and Voss just kind of sat there, sat on her wheel and got pulled to, to her 30th career victory at the Giordana. I, I do feel bad for Elisa that she always seems to find herself in these incredible moves, like in these incredible late race moves. And then she's always outsmarted or outgunned because you do have to give her props for going after it. I mean, she's she's not afraid to lose. If she was afraid to lose, then she would have sat up and they would have got swarmed by the sprinters and someone else maybe would have won. Maybe Voss would have held on. It's We can't really speculate, but she, she just kept going. She was like, okay, you're not working. That's a bummer, but I'm going to keep going because at least we'll get second. And I think I heard that 
Lizzie wasn't feeling great that day. So on a finish like that, Lizzie would have been their go-to to sprint against Voss. But if Lizzie wasn't feeling great, like Aliza took the reins. And I'm and I'm still impressed by her gumption. It's a word. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was a lot. I just that was a lot of uh, a lot of analysis and thoughts. I ran through like three talking points in one blurb. <laughs> no, no, you you really covered it. Um, it was incredible. But Eliza, like like you said, she just put her head down and went for it, and wasn't gonna slow up because I think at that point she was their best option to get a result. Mm-hmm. And Voss was just next level. She looked so good, and when she came around her. Yeah, it was daylight to second, wasn't it? She had a lot of time to throw her hands up in the air. She was like, yeah, she posted for like 25 meters. <laughs> yeah. And she went from like 200 meters to go, <laughs> yeah. didn't she, or something? Like yeah. really far out. And she just, yeah, she just went away. It's just incredible that like since her, her first senior year when she took out the world championships, she's really just stayed at the top. I mean, like you said, Abby, she had a couple of years where she burnt out from just doing too much um, and then gradually came back. And then by 2016, she was really on her way back. And then Voss was really back in 2019. So I've always been a massive fan of her as a human being, not just an athlete. So I think that's why everyone gets really excited about her winning. And um, I think it was the last episode you just said her celebrations are so emotional. There's so much to it always. There's always so much emotion in that. And I think Lizzie Dignan's interview for La Course was, um, yeah, really eye-opening about how these two rivals have been racing against each other since pretty much, I guess, the start. They're roughly the same age. And she just said she doesn't have that, like, when Voss lines up to every single race, she is there to win every race. And even Lizzie herself said that she she can't have that sort of mentality. Like she has to have really specific targets, maybe three or four in a year, and that's it. Whereas when Voss lines up, she's there to throw everything at it. Yeah, I mean, going back, like you're saying about her having like a few years where like her her trajectory or like her kind of no, not now. Um her like kind of where she's been and where she's come from like in having these like years where things weren't going so great like he actually said Mark Cavendish said in his Instagram post that she's been my inspiration on so many levels for so many years like again as much as we never hear the men even post about women cycling that much like it's least of all to say that they that female riders are inspirations to them like I that was the part to me where I was like Wow. Good good for you for kind of showing that like male riders can look up to to the women as well. Like, and I, I think, you know, everyone's going on about his record. And I think he was trying to say like, look, all this attention is on this, but there's actually this, because he points out that like there isn't a women's Tour de France, but like, so she couldn't have the same record as him, but she probably would, or she is doing in the equivalent race for the women. So, Yeah. I don't see someone taking 30 stage wins at the Girodonna anytime soon, you know. No one's rival, even close. To rival Voss's record. I mean, it's 
And she's won time trials, she's won sprints, she's won mountains, and she's really adapted as a rider in the last three years. You know, she used to win mountaintops and she was she was a climber and and more of an all-rounder. And now she's really just a punchy sprinter, but she can still win a bunch sprint. I mean, she won Gent Wevelgem. That was basically a bunch sprint. And she's still just she's she's like a pure sprinter but with a very adaptable set of skills if that makes sense but it's just i mean she's the unrivaled goat right i mean anna vanderbregen is incredible and she's had such an amazing couple years but voss has been around for 16 years and has won a myriad of different things including world championships in cross mountain bike and road and she can still do things like she did on stage seven. And it's incredible. It's really incredible. And like, you know, we're saying about her personality, we, as the three of us, tend to gravitate towards people who seem like they're good people off the bike as well as on the bike. And Voss is so kind and so considerate. She's such an incredible role model for young women growing up watching the sport she's just she's incredible to her teammates she's she always in every single interview she basically attributes every win to her teammates uh, for me she's the goat because of her attitude not only because of the fact that she is just awesome. an absolute legend <laughs> of a rider yeah should we hear really quick from Ruth and Heidi? Uh, this audio diary is dedicated to <laughs> the three amigos uh, who are our Swannies here at the Giro, uh, Just and Christian and Albert, who frankly just do an incredible job and work like 20-hour days. And honestly, I think being a swanier is probably it's like the most thankless job in the sport of cycling and one of the hardest jobs. And I just would like to dedicate this to them because they're awesome and make us feel positive and happy. And when we're on day seven, we're past day seven now into unknown territory and you just need those people to lift you up when you need it. Um, yeah, speaking of unknown territory, it's like, yeah, I mean, I've only ever done seven days uh, of racing before. So, um, I'm, yeah, it's just really interesting. Like, mentally, it's just so fascinating um, how mental the sport is. Because when you know, when you go into a race knowing that it's 10 days, it, your body just like adapts and adjusts to that mentality. Like, I've never felt the way that I feel on day seven of a seven-day stage race that I, like, it, the way that I do feel right now. Like, it's just so wild. And when your brain is prepared to race for three more days, your body's like, all right, we got three more days of racing left, you know? I mean, I mean yeah, there's some really tired people <laughs> right now, but I think um, as my just in my first Giro, it's just really fascinating how my body like just 
catches, it goes along with my mental preparation. Um, so that's just been super crazy. And, uh, yeah, today, yeah, today was really hard. Um, from, yeah, really from the flag drop, no neutral this time. So no, no chance to kind of warm your legs, warm our legs up, uh, with a neutral, even, even a crazy neutral at that. But, um, yeah, full gas from start to finish. And, um, I, I was just really proud of how the four of us rode today. Um, because I feel like one of the things that we've been struggling with the most is how to ride as a unit together. Um, I mean, I think all year, that's just something that we've really struggled with. And, uh, and we, the four of us kind of took it into our own hands yesterday and came up with a plan um, for how we can really, really try to do that better today. And I think the first, for the first half of the race (laughs) before, before the legs kind of got ripped off, um, it worked really well. I thought we, um, we rode together, (laughs) which was a huge deal and um, helped each other position and, in return, people actually gave us space and respected us um, in the in the field, which is honestly just really hard when uh, when you're four different people flailing around and uh, people just don't give you space and don't open gaps when you want to be somewhere for you. And when you are four people, it's so much easier to do that. Uh, the circuit was really cool I thought and I mean absolutely perfect for Voss and brand even I mean gosh this this stage was just so well suited to so many different people and I think that's why it made it so exciting um even from (laughs) even after being dropped like uh on the last lap I I could tell it was going to be a really really exciting race um and it's just crazy to me how I, like I've, I've managed to have pretty good legs like this whole race and pretty good legs for me here means that I am barely hanging on <laughs> in the Peloton at the finishes like yesterday and the day before. And really good legs means getting dropped here, you know, a couple of different times and chasing back on. And um, I mean, I'm really just hoping that the next three days um, I can sort of let myself off a leash a little bit. I think mentally I've, I've just been really struggling with that, like uh, the lack of unity that we've had as a team riding together. Um, and I think that's just kind of put me in a block. And so today was really nice to have some progress and, um, and maybe something good for the, uh, good to come in the next few days. So Looking forward to it. Hello, everybody. Uh, just finished day seven, and it was pretty fun. We did this, like, 17, 16K circuit uh, pretty up and down the whole time. It was really fun. Um, we had loosened up the road alone, and unfortunately, nobody would go across. There was a break, maybe a fall going, that was we really tried to kind of, like, block the road and let those four go across, but there just seemed to be some people that just didn't want to let it go, which is super frustrating because they're chasing. You're like, why are you chasing? For what point? Um, and then, yeah. Anyway, so then we went for the sprint and I 
think Elisa got second. This sounds terrible, but I've not seen her yet and I am not actually sure how we finished. So we tried to do a good lead out. The finish was kind of up this climb and um, yeah, super fast, but not really a sprint sprint. Um, and I know Voss won, so congratulations to them. Uh, but yeah, overall I felt pretty good today. Had fun just trying to go with attacks and stuff and, and help uh, Lizzie and Eliza out there for the finish. Um, so definitely felt better than I thought I would, given that it's been a week now of racing, but that's okay. And uh, yeah, feeling, feeling excited for the next couple days. I think tomorrow is a bit flatter again. Um, oh, and uh, Lucinda got the green jersey today. So that's exciting as well. Green jersey for Lucinda. All right, that's all I got. All right, so that was the last three stages. We still have three stages to go. But a little bit of other news from the Giordone. The final Bizkaia Durango rider is now out of the race due to COVID positive. So they, they're out. They've, they, they're, they're no longer in the race. Yeah, after the whole TT time cut off debacle and then this, it's a kind of a kick in the teeth, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess there's nothing else to say about it other than it's a bit crap. Um, elsewhere in the world of women's cycling, we've got two races going on at the same time as the Girodone, and that is the Balawas Ladies Tour in Belgium and the, I can't remember, Feminas, Femina Tour, Tour Femina in the Czech Republic. It used to be called Krasna Lipa when I did it, and, and it is, Lauren and I have talked about it. It's one of our favorite races for sure. And there's live coverage because it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> So the first stage of the Balois Ladies Tour was won by Lisa Klein, Canyon Stram. They really sent like a really strong team to that race. Cash is there, Alice Barnes is there, Lisa Klein is there, which I think just shows that Canyon Stram is not on the same level as SD Works as far as ability to win, but they they've really bolstered their roster to have a lot of really really good riders. Um I can't wait to see what Elise Shabi does in the next couple of years, uh, given that she's brand new to racing. And mm. also, I love that she competed in the Olympics in kayaking. Love it. <laughs> Vittoria Abushi won in the Czech Republic. <laughs> Joss Loudon was second. Oh, yeah. And Joss Loudon is now on the reserve. She's the reserve for the There's Olympics? a traveling reserve, yeah. For the- I didn't even know there was such a thing. I don't know how common, I don't know how many other like countries do it or how common it is, but, but she I literally, mean, it's pretty like, hectic. You travel there, yeah. do the quarantine, but you're probably not going to race. Yeah. So you take all that time away from like your normal training and everything. But I guess but you're going to the, the Olympics. Yeah. If it's the Olympics, it's like, whatever. Yeah. Stick me in a, stick me in a cupboard for 10 days. <laughs> Slide some meal the water through the cat door at the bottom. And if I get to <laughs> compete in the Olympics afterwards, then it was worth it. Yeah. yeah. As long as I've got Zwift, I'm good. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure they'll sort them out with that. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. guessing that conversation will probably happen next week. Yeah. So we'll be back on Monday to talk about stages eight, nine, and 10 in the finale of the Girodone. Is this the last year that we're gonna let this race monop- monopolize our time? Like, is the la- is this the last year where we're gonna we're gonna be like putting energy into this? Well, shit show. 
Next year we've got the. Yes. All right, say the name. Tour de France Femme avec Zwift. <laughs> TDF one. avec Zwift. Yes. TDFF. <laughs> Women's A- Tour de France. AZ. <laughs> We're just going to call it the Women's Tour de France. Yeah. Good one, Amy. You can't call it the Women's Tour because. No, you can't call it the women's tour. It's kind of uh, it's a, kind of a bummer that they can't call that race like the women's tour of Britain. Yeah, yeah, they don't, and they don't do that because there's the tour. Yeah, oh my god. Because whenever so I refer to it as the women's tour, I have to then say of Great Britain. But it, right, because it just name. sounds like you're saying the women's tour that was going on like could be anywhere. Yeah, well, because as English speakers, we call the Tour de France just the tour. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. But there's another race called Women's Tour that's not the Women's Tour. I'm pretty really? sure. I think so. Where does that Back take checked place? Amy. <laughs> we, can, we can be back next week and tell you if I'm wrong or not. I probably am. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Monday with more Giordani and then probably some... Uh, some Olympics chat. I think our Olympics conversation will happen the following week because it's it's the week before the event actually happens. Mm-hmm. We'll probably at that point know actually what the quarantine requirements and stuff are for the for the riders. At the moment, it's still you know anyone's guess. Um, they just announced yesterday that there's no spectators allowed. So many many things can change in the next week and a half before we kind of get to that point so thank you so much and uh don't forget to check out the black sheep cyclist alliance cycling tips kit on cyclingtips.com link in the bio (laughs) 